Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, open eyes today, change hearts. May we see things in a way that we've never saw them before. And we will give you all the honor and all the glory for what you accomplish in us and through us today. In Jesus' precious name, and we all say amen. Open your Bibles to Matthew 16 and verse 21. Matthew is speaking, and he says, from that time, Jesus began. Now, just a few verses earlier, Peter had confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was a high point uh, in the revelation of the apostles. But as soon as the apostles got this foundational truth down, uh, they were then at that point in position to move on to uh, deeper truths. And, And you can't go to second base without first touching first base. Spiritual maturity is, is, is never instant. It always takes time. I like to say that there's, there's no elevator to spiritual growth. Everyone must take the stairs. So Jesus began to show his disciples. Now, last week, Jesus gave Peter and Andrew a a vision. This week, he's about to reveal the price of the vision. I like what a meme that I read, it said this. It said, the cost of success, number one, late nights, two, early mornings, three, few friends, four, being misunderstood, five, feeling overwhelmed, six, questioning your sanity, been there, done that, seven, being your own Cheerleader. Sometimes if no one's there to support you and you got to make a decision like, like David did. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. But guess what? If, if you're doing it for God, it will be worth it. From that time, again, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. Now, everyone wants to be a diamond until you start talking about getting cut. Everyone wants to be in the limelight until they start to experience the heat. You know, I don't have a problem with someone wanting something that someone else has, as long as they're willing to pay the price that that other person paid. So Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. So what Washington is to politics today, Jerusalem was in that, at that time to religion. So this was a big deal because most of these guys were, were Galilean country boys, uh, if you will. And Jerusalem was, was prime time. And what Jesus was talking about was about to occur on the national stage with every person watching. He said he must go to Jerusalem and suffer, watch this, Many things, not one bad things, not a few uh, bad things, not, a, you know, a couple setbacks or so. No, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. Now, these were the powers that be, if you will. Uh, these guys played for keeps, and, and if they wanted to hurt you, they could really hurt you bad. Uh, you know, we're, we're all willing, you know, to, to suffer a little bit, but, but this next statement was, was really shocking. Watch what it says. And not only will you suffer some things, but the ultimate is going to occur and be killed. So Peter heard this and uh, he's like, you know, I I love you, Jesus. I'm for you, Jesus. But uh, hold up, Jesus. Explain to me, how is it that you can 
feed 5,000? How, how is it that you can walk on water? How is it that you could cast out demons? How is it that you can raise the dead? How is it that you can heal the lepers? But you're going to let yourself be killed. Peter was like, Jesus, I, I respect you. I honor you. And, 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 and man, you, you, you are absolutely amazing, but I really don't understand your, your, your math. Jesus, this is not exactly what I signed up for. Now, remember when, when we caught those fish, you said I'd make me, you'd make us fishers of men. And, and I, I was really, you know, I, 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 was, I was willing to do that. I was excited about that. But, but now you're talking about something uh, that, that I, I really didn't have on the back of my mind when, when, when I started following you. I mean, come on, Jesus. The least you could do is, you know what, uh, use a little bit of lightning. You know, may, maybe cause the ground to swallow up and, and open up and, and, and swallow your enemies. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Jesus, you, you could you use, you use a tornado, but, but Jesus, please don't go out like that. So Peter is having a hard time with what Jesus is saying. But Jesus didn't stutter. He just kept speaking. And be killed and be raised the third day. Now, again, Peter's thinking, well, Jesus, you, you've had all eternity to sort this out, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and this is the best that you guys come up with. And, and he's thinking, you know, Jesus, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, this, this resurrection is a powerful idea. I mean, that's a great concept. That's really phenomenal. But, but there has to be a better way. So the next verse says, so then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, Peter only began to rebuke him because Jesus would only take so much stuff. So Jesus interrupts him in the middle of his uh, rebuke. And, and I'm so glad that, that God uh, uh, many times has interrupted me before I completely made a fool of myself. So he interrupts Peter here. And, um, you know, Jesus understands that in our fallen world, there's no success without sacrifice. Peter doesn't get that yet. So Peter said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not. Jesus just spoke. He spoke ex cathedra, if you will. He was speaking for God. He said, this will not, Jesus, happen to you. So now Jesus is being challenged in a very real way from his leading disciple. So the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm pretty sure this is what was happening. Jesus turned to Peter with fire shooting out of his eyes. And he said, get behind me. He's like, Peter, I know what I promised you. I said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Peter, I, I appreciate the fact that, that you have an opinion. But again, last I checked, you signed up to follow me, not me follow you. He's like, Peter, what, 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 tell me, who ascended into heaven or descended? Peter, who has gathered the wind in the fist of his hands? Who has bound the waters in his garment? Who has established, Peter, the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is the name of his son? If you still remember, if you know. Peter, again, everyone has a right to their opinions, their wishes, and their desires. But everyone's opinions, wishes, and desires are not right. Peter, you need to remember who you're 
talking to. The Son of God became man to enable people to become children or sons of God. And what Jesus was saying here, and we all have this tendency at times. It's like, Peter, I recognize you've been around the power of God. Peter, I recognize that you've seen miracles. Peter, I recognize that, you know, I, he might have been used at this point to cast out demons himself because God anointed the, the, the 12. Jesus anointed the 12 to, to cast out demons, heal the sick, and, and raise the dead. But Jesus had to put Peter in check and said, listen, Peter, don't start trying to make yourself God and reduce the son of God to just another opinion, just another person. You know, the word of God is the absolute authority in our lives. And when God speaks, that settles it. And that's the, our lives. And when God speaks, that settles it. And that's the end of it. Matthew 16 and verse 23. Jesus turned to Peter again, fire shooting from his eyes. And he said, get behind me. Watch this. Satan. Now, just a few verses earlier, without Peter knowing it, he spoke for God. But here, he speaks for the devil also without realizing it. And here's the deal. We're all flawed people. If we're not wise, the devil will use our flaws and take advantage of our good intentions. And this is what happened here. He was well-intentioned. He didn't mean any harm uh, in the things that he was saying to Jesus, but he didn't understand the impact of what he was trying to do. So again, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, what? Satan. So Jesus recognized that there was a satanic purpose behind Peter trying to discourage him from going to the cross. And here's the challenge. You can't live a positive life uh, hanging out with negative people. So Jesus had to address this situation very, very Firmly, And by the way, if Jesus is hard on you, it's only because he loves you and he wants to enable you to continue to follow him. But we have to remember who's out in front. It's not us. It's the word of God. He turned and said to Peter, he said, get behind me, what? Satan or my adversary. This is serious. This is a guy that, that loved Jesus, but he became adversarial when he uh, really just started leaning on his own understanding instead of what Jesus or the word of God had said. And listen, we could come up with a lot of opinions and a lot of ways to do things, but if it's ever contrary to what the word of God says, we have become adversarial to the kingdom. You might be saved, born again. You might love Jesus with all your heart. But if you, your philosophy, if your approach and, and your decisions and your morality is contrast, contrary to scripture, according to this verse, Jesus still calls you Satan. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me what? Satan. The safest place we could ever be is, is behind or in the wake of God's word. To get ahead of it, to go beyond it, uh, always, at least in my life, ends up with me struggling with a, a bullseye on my back in the enemy's territory. And uh, this is exactly where Peter was. And Jesus didn't stop there. He leans in even more. He says, Peter, you need to understand something. You are an offense <laughs> to me. Literally, you are a stumbling block to me. Guys and gals, it matters who you let in your ear. And by the way, uh, people will treat you the way you let them treat you. And Jesus was not going to let his disciple just treat him any old way. 
And, you know, as much as, you know, I, I love everyone, I can't take advice from everyone. As much as you might love everyone, you can't take advice from, from, from everyone. And, and Peter was basically saying to Peter, as much as I love you, if you ever try to make me choose between you and God, you lose. But then he goes on and turns us into a teachable moment, which is amazing about Jesus. He didn't just fly off the handle and, and walk out and say, well, Peter, you know, you left on your own. Jesus is incredibly patient and he uses this as a teachable moment and all of us can learn from what we're about to read. He said, Peter, here's your problem. For you are not mindful of the things of God. No, you have flashes. You have moments. You might even have Sundays. But the rest of the week is not full of the things of God. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Notice that Peter didn't consciously re re reject God and support the devil. That's not what, what happened here. He just focused on what people want, what people were saying, what people were doing, people's perspective more than what God thought. And as a pastor, that's often a challenge because I love people and people so often try to get me off the word. They try to get me into their particular political uh, bent or their, their particular, uh, you know, uh, just philosophy. And they get upset with me because I, 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 I'm not going to move because my, my assignment is not to be full of the opinions of men, but to be full of the word of God. You know, today is, is a lot. I mean, Churchill was a brilliant guy, and, and he said this, and, and this, this really, really should speak to us today. He said, there's no such thing as public opinion. There's only published opinion. So what, what he's saying is whatever is said most is believed most. And this is why we have to monitor these places. We're spending hours and hours and hours listening to their thinking and their thoughts. And, and before we, we, we know it, though we're saved and we're going we're to die and go to heaven, we end up with the, the thoughts of, of the adversary in our mind and they end up in our actions. So pay attention to the wells that you drink from. Jesus continues. He says, you are an offense to me. Peter, you are a problem for me. God gave me a vision to redeem the world. God gave me the only way, really, because you, you, you all know that at Gethsemane, Jesus said, Lord, if there's any other way, please, please. But this was the only way it could be done. And what's amazing is when God created humanity, he knew the cost, but he still said it was worth it. Listen, if I was about to create this, this planet and saw those folks reject me and do all the rest, I'd be like, you know what? Uh, we will not do it, King's X, but that was not the heart of the Father. That's why he is God and we are humans. So again, God gave Jesus this vision on how he was going to redeem the world, but Peter used his limited Bible understanding, his limited prayer life, his limited uh, thinking, and leveraged this, his relationship with Jesus to try to talk him out of God's purposes. This is important. Dream stealers are not bad people. Um, don't, don't hate them. Don't, don't get mad at them because by the way, sometimes we are them. They are just conventional. Uh, but here's the deal. But for Jesus to achieve what no one else had ever achieved, he had to do what no one else had ever done. He said, Peter, you are 
an offense to me. So, you know, as I read this, this, this message or what, what, this narrative in the scriptures, I'm also, listen, Lord, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to us? And, and I began to, to think about it. And the, the reality is, you know, in my life, the stumbling blocks were not so much the Peters around me as much as the Peter in my self. And I also learned to, to do anything for God. Now, you know, I've been doing this for a lot of years, and um, God has brought us a very, very, very long way. But what I've learned is if I'm going to do anything for God, I got to deal assertively and sometimes even aggressively with my Peter. Jesus said, you're an offense. Again, everyone doesn't always understand nice. So he, he has to lean in. You are, the NIV says, a stumbling block to me. Now, the three biggest hurdles, um, or, or better, the three biggest Peters. So the voice of Peter, often in my life, uh, comes in three forms. Self-doubt, fear, and instant gratification. Let's just deal with the text first. Uh, Jesus, Peter was trying to give Jesus an alternate way, trying to get Jesus to doubt his, his, his own uh, message, his own vision. So he tries to inject a little bit of doubt. And then, you know, there's a little bit of fear. Surely this won't happen to you. Really, you want to go through all that, 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 that pain there, Jesus? And, and also, you know, we're humans and, and we don't want to have to go the long way. We're always looking for a shortcut. So uh, the third thing that, that this Peter voice represented was instant gratification. So we have self-doubt, fear, and instant gratification. I call them the, 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 the three uh, dream stealers. The, these are the three horses uh, of the dream stealing apocalypse, if you will. Number one, self-doubt. This is that voice that says, Derek, you can't. But here's the deal. God didn't ask me if I can. He asked me if I could believe that he can. And I have found, this is important, it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you are not. So self-doubt, but number two, and by the way, Jesus is God taking on flesh, so he's a human. So Peter is starting to grab hold of his humanity. His humanity loves Peter. His humanity is connected to Peter, and Peter now is leveraging it against the Lord. He doesn't realize it, but this is what's happening. So first was self-doubt. Number two, fear. You know, this is the voice of what will happen if it does not work. But you can't let the fear of, of what might happen cause you to make nothing happen. You know, I have learned to fear regret more than the fear of failure. I, I've learned to fear regret more than failure. And I, I have lived with regret. And it's, I, I'd rather deal with the little disappointment than have to deal with regret, particularly when the stakes are high. Number three, instant gratification. This is the voice that says it's not worth it. Um, this, you know, sin, sin is so tempting because it's rewarded fast and righteousness is rewarded slow. One more time. The reason sin is so tempting is in this world, in this fallen world, sin is rewarded like that. But righteousness takes time. This is why God says this. He says, and let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. He said, Peter, you are an offense to me. 
Why? Because I don't like you. I don't like your cologne. None of that. Here. Because what you're thinking about all the time, your, your disposition, your, the way you, you, you look at life, you're not looking at what, what God is saying. You're not looking at what the word of God is saying. You're, you're taking the pulse of what everyone else around you is saying. And, and then you're, you're, you're polling yourself and you're saying, well, this is how I feel about it. But if, we, if Jesus was led by his feelings, remember Gethsemane, he would not go to the cross. And he didn't need his friends to side with his feelings. He needed his friends to side with God. Peter, beloved Peter, Peter, the guy that I called out of fishing, you left your family and all to follow me. We have lived, you know, um, together really. All 12 disciples, they slept in the same places. They traveled the streets. They talked all day long. They faced the same crises. They, they, they healed uh, well, Jesus healed uh, the multitudes in their presence, and they were together 24-7 for, for, for months now. There's, there's this personal connection here, but he says, Peter, you are an offense, a stumbling block, a problem for me and to me. You are not mindful of the things of God. A lot of pastors I know, they're a stumbling block because they're not mindful of the things of God. They're mindful of what everyone else is saying, what the magazines are saying, but not what the word of God is saying. And by the way, you might get tired of me saying this. This is why I go line by line every single week to remind you what the word of the living God says. It's not just my opinion. This is the word of God. Peter, you are an offense to me. I know you love me. I know you mean well but your focus is wrong. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, every God-given vision requires sacrifice. No crown, no cross. Or better, no cross, no crown. And if your theology makes no room for suffering, it has no room for God. In my Bible, it hurt Abraham and Sarah that they could not have a baby. But what did God do? He used their problem to, 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 to actually perform a miracle and make them the father of a, and mother and father actually of an entire nation. Joseph was sold into slavery. How many know that's just a little bit painful? But God used his slavery to turn him into the very prince of Egypt. Job lost it all, everything. The only thing he had left was, was his wife, and, and that seemed to be an issue in itself if you read the book. But he lost it all. But when it was over, God gave him double for his trouble, but he had to go through. David was overlooked by his family. David was pursued by the king of the nation, Saul. But what did God do? He made him king, and he was never overlooked again. You know, sometimes the, the only way around suffering is straight through it. And I know that it may hurt. And you're saying, how could the pain in your life right now be part of a loving God's plan? But here's what I know. I can't explain it all. But I know all who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. I do recognize that there's opposition on this field. 
There's no football player that would go out on the field and be surprised at the fact an opposition lines up and tries to stop them from getting uh, to, to the other end of the field. And there's a real devil. There's a real fallen world. That there, There's real opposition. And because of that opposition, we will deal with, with pain and, and, and hurt. But here's the deal. God will get you through it. God will get you to the other side of it. God could get you beyond it. God is for you. And just because you have a problem doesn't mean he doesn't love you. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.